0: Welcome to the Beyond the Reef podcast, where I talk to experts and researchers in the reef aquarium hobby, discussing a broad range of topics from corals and reef biology, to water chemistry and equipment. We take a deep dive into our guests' methods, techniques, and top reef-keeping tips. My name is Adam Sutherland, and I am the owner-operator of Frag Garage Corals, based out of British Columbia, Canada. My guest for this episode is Eric Camano, who is the first wholesaler of coral that I've actually talked to on this podcast. Eric got into the game in about 2003 as frag farmer, and then eventually switched over to wholesale with his company Route 66 Marine in 2009, based out of Los Angeles. Their facility holds over 15,000 gallons of coral. And I was really excited to talk to Eric About corals as much as possible because we can assume he's seen a lot of really cool stuff over the years. So, we definitely talked about different regions that our corals come from, as well as his methods and techniques, including his use of natural seawater taken in from the Pacific Ocean not too far away. You can check out his website at root66marine.com, especially if you're a retailer looking for corals in the US. Thanks to the direct support of hobbyist Bobby Heath, I'm happy to bring this podcast to you absolutely ad-free. If you want to support us, the best things you can do are like, share, write us a review, and definitely subscribe. Not enough people are hitting subscribe. And if you have any comments or questions or suggestions for future guests, please reach out. And I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Eric from Route 66 Marine. Okay, well, let's start. Eric, thanks for uh, doing this last minute. We've, we messaged earlier today, and you're like, yeah, I, I think so.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I never do this, but I took a nap at work today.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and,
1: yeah I mean, it, our power was out here at the house um, all last night till this morning. And I said, you know what? I need to get to work early because there's some stuff I need to work on. Let's leave at 5, and I'll beat traffic, and I'll get there quick. Know, five. There, was, uh, <laughs> there was traffic, and so I was pretty beat, so I took a nap on my couch and woke up to an alert and checked, it, and I was like, hey, can you make it for this uh, thing tonight? <laughs> nice. and I'm like, uh, I don't know. I have to drive two hours of traffic. Let me see. And I made some stuff move around, and here we are.
0: Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, <laughs> um, maybe you can give a little kind of background on how you went from hobbyist to I guess probably retailer to wholesaler over over the long journey of years. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, grab a cup of coffee. Here we go. Yeah, uh, I
0: got a scotch, actually. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll probably pass out. So I got some water here. Yeah. Um, so, so it. I mean, it goes back. I mean, you know, I, I think everyone in this industry, in this hobby, just like anything else, you're, you're attracted some way, one way or another to to animals, um, even plants. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a lot of correlation out there with people and I'm running into more and more people who are into plants Mm -hmm. that are into this reefing thing that we do here. And so I was always fascinated as a young age by that. And, uh, moving along, I mean, we, you know, we had birds, fish as a kid, as I got older, you know, I kind of grew out of that, for some for some time
2: mm-hmm.
1: and ran into one of my childhood friends and well not ran into we used to hang out and he decided hey let's move out let's get our own place
0: yeah so sure. you're, what 18 19 something like that uh, we,
1: were, we were uh i would say this was in 1991 so uh i guess uh 68 i think i was like five years out of high school so that's 23 yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, um and so we got this place and he had this ten-foot acrylic aquarium, mm. and with these, you know, neon lights, the, the old VHOs, and you know, I was, I was fascinated immediately, and it was his tank. But I'm the one that used to buy all the fish. We didn't buy <laughs> yeah. corals, at the time, but I'm the one that wanted to buy all the fish. We were going to the store, the reefing store, all the time, and started then. He ended up getting married, so we kind of went our separate ways. I got back out of it, and then one day uh, a buddy of mine said, Hey, I, I got some tank, tanks here. Do you want one? Uh, sure. Hey, come to my house. Went to his house, and he had his garage turned into like this store.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and apparently, he had bought all the equipment from a store that was shutting down. He's like, Here, here's a tank. And then the rest is history, you know. I got bit by the bug immediately. Mm -hmm. And I was doing construction. I was a a journeyman uh, waterproofer. So I used to do caulking off of high-rise buildings. I ended up injuring myself several times. And this last time, you know, it just kind of got out of control to where I was not going to be able to do that. Uh, trade anymore,
0: mm-hmm. but I'm sure some of those skills were, have been applicable over the years. Um, oh yeah, you know? absolutely. yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. So you know, we uh, I went through this whole workers' comp thing, which was such a fiasco. And I remember the chiropractor telling me, "Hey, you know, they're going to retrain you f- for another job, but you're not going to be making the money that you're making. You're probably going to be making like twelve dollars an hour
0: mm-hmm. instead." Mm-hmm.
1: Thirty-five. Yeah, and I'm like, wow. Okay, uh, you know, me and my wife were expecting child, and yeah, bad timing. <laughs> yeah, it was just really bad. And so, one day he said, "Hey, listen, um, a client of mine uh, created a business proposal, and he submitted it to the state. And what they did is." They ended up giving him the money that they were going to train him with. They gave it to him so he could start his business.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: He says, why don't you do that? And I said, okay, that sounds good, but all right. And so, you know, tossing and turning all night and for days. And I had no clue how to use a computer back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had all this fear and anxiety of just how are, how do I even research? Where do I even begin to even put a business plan together
0: yeah just for context is this kind of like late 90s kind of thing like what kind of uh
1: yes this is a uh, 1998 1999 okay yes
0: yeah yes yeah so computers are kind of starting to get better internet's a little more like household yes. but it's still some of us aren't masters of it yet at that point yes
1: <laughs> yeah absolutely i mean I, I was beginning to get into computers but i was still just a little overwhelmed just with all this stuff going on, like I said, you know, new child coming, and just my lo- whole life kind of changed. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I figured it out. I, I put a business plan together. I submitted it and approved. And here we were, just like, wow, okay, you know, I'm gonna start a business. And what was what was the business? It was selling corals.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay.
1: And and and, and there was no store. It was you know, business plan to sell online mm-hmm. out of my house. And they approved it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And to this day, I wish I had that business plan because I would love to have had framed it. But yeah. I know whatever happened to it because that led me to where I'm at now. So there's a lot of, you know, sentimental things with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you can leave with your kids to show them as well, to say, hey, listen, you know, this is what I did yeah. you know, back then.
0: And that's kind of a ballsy move to uh, plan to do online based sales of coral back in those days. Because I remember kind of in the late 90s, early 2000s, like I think PayPal was kind of new. And like the average person didn't really trust buying things online like they do today. It's like today it's just like I buy things almost every day online or, you know, it's like it's just we don't even think about it. It's safe and secure. But back then it's kind of like, I don't know, like, I mean, you must have sold locally a little bit, too.
1: Well, I, so I didn't even really even sell anything because, you know, I was still trying to figure out, okay, yes, I had this plan on paper, but to put it to action was a whole different story. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this was when like, you remember Garf? Garf was like, yeah. you know, a place where like I gathered so much information and, and I forgot the name of this company. They were back, I think in Florida, you know, the Florida Ricardias. So I was like so mm-hmm. mesmerized by them. And then there was like, uh, Zoanthids. I can't even remember some of the people that I was buying stuff from. But I do remember I had boxes and boxes of uh, empty boxes in my garage. Mm-hmm. And my tanks were filled with corals. And I just remember my wife being so frustrated because she's like, "You have not made a penny doing this,"
0: and you're getting you need, high on your own supply, <laughs>
1: pretty much. And you, and you need to start earning. Yeah, like, yeah. what are you doing and, and and so the anxiety kicked in again there. And then, you know, I was forced into a little corner there, and I just said, "I have to do something." And and I remember just one day, just like, screw it, you know. Let me put a couple of frags on eBay and see what happens. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget. I think I sold a couple of frags for like, I think this guy paid like a hundred and something dollars for like a couple of frags. And I'm like, wow. Quite a bit back then, yeah. I'm like, this was only like two inches. And I here here I got this eight inch rock of Mm -hmm. xylanthids. And I started multiplying and I started doing the math in my head and I said, wait a minute, wow. Okay, there's something here. And, and and the rest is history. I mean, I, I, that's where Frag Farmer came in. And, you know, uh, it was just like, you know, it, it took off. It it just exploded. Um, I guess, you know, the, when you have the passion for something and you're just like so sold out for it, you just kind of just put on blinders and, and you're not even like listening to anybody. You're just like in your own world, in your own zone. And you're just you're just going for it, you know. Yeah going for it and and everything just kind of just spilled over into that success and i ended up opening up a store um
0: and this was a retail so, store obviously yeah. initially
1: yes yeah, yeah. so a retail store in upland um and that's where you know uh, we we sold locally there but we were also online which was frag farmer frag farmer mm-hmm. is where people that know me, know me from, Mm -hmm. um, i have kind of been in hiding, you know, behind real 66 Marine for the past, you know, what's that since 2009. So that's 14 years. Um, but frag farmer is where it all started and that's where I met like everybody. I mean, you know, Mike Paletta, Kevin Cohen from back in the days when he was over there running uh, live Aquaria. I mean, I just met so many great people, Mm-hmm. that I still talk to to this day. Yeah. I mean, we talk a lot, but when we see each other it's like it's like, you know, it's like a reunion of 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 some sort. Yeah. Um yeah, it's a great so,
0: community. I mean, I would even say just doing this podcast, I've I've got some pretty close buddies that I talk to all the time now, you know, just really good people to bounce ideas around with and and you know, we know that we can kind of trust each other's opinions and and methods and stuff. So, that's cool. Actually, I was supposed to have Mike on Mike Paletta on today, but we're we're rescheduling, so um you're kind of filling in for him. <laughs>
1: hey, what, what better person to to fill in for? Yeah, I'm know, excited. I'm excited I, to I talk, talk to him. On, okay.
0: Yeah. Cool. Um, That's great. uh, So, at what point did you kind of decide maybe the wholesale side was like a little more kind of the direction you wanted to go? Because you probably built a lot of strong uh, import connections over the years. uh, You know, bring because you've probably imported for quite a long time.
1: Yes, you know. So initially, we we used to go down to the wholesalers, and you know, uh, it was it was just man heaven heaven. (laughs) them wholesalers I, they, they used to bring just amazing stuff i mean I, I used to come down to the wholesalers six o'clock in the morning park my van there
0: wait for the new order to come in yeah
1: oh, you, you're, you're waiting for them to open the doors and so yeah. you know you're, you're parking your van there right and i would take a nap because i would get there early it was like a hundred mile drive from, from where i was coming from mm. so i would get there and then i would hear a door shut and i'd look to the right and there's dave from Vivid. And then I'll hear another door shut, and there's Will from Aqua SD. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: And then there's a, you know, I heard another door shut, and there's this guy named Anthony Yang. He's he used to have this store called Aqua Designs. And then before you know it, I mean, just everyone waiting. And mm-hmm. so they would come and unlock the gate, and everyone's like standing there. And once they opened the gate, it was a race. Everyone's running to, to, to the to the tanks
0: yeah to claim the best and unique things yeah yeah yeah.
1: we're hopping over each other grabbing stuff and it was just crazy but that's that's how good it was back then Mm -hmm. I mean it was great I mean I would and these boxes from Fiji were huge so we're talking like 30 inches maybe by like 25 inches Twenty-five. they were huge and I would be coming home with like six to eight boxes of corals and mm. this was twice a week.
0: And that's you cherry picking versus bringing yes. in a whole box where you don't have that selection. Because I think some people don't realize that is like as a if you import and you just bring in boxes of corals, like you're not always going to get like I find, you know, depending on what region you're, you're bringing stuff in from, like you bring in Aussie acros and you just get ultra or whatever. You probably get like one or two out of 20 that are anything special, if that, <laughs> you know
1: you need a better supplier buddy yeah i guess
0: so <laughs> well you would know
1: <laughs> yeah but we can talk about that after maybe I'll, yeah um,
0: maybe yeah for steer sure someone, steer um someone
1: there.
0: speaking of fiji actually it's kind of cool um fiji acros and hard corals are on the market again oh really yeah i i just put in an order for a box of acros just to kind of see see what i get Wow. so and it's been oh. i can't remember three or four years um Cause an importer that I work with is a good buddy of Walt Smith. So he probably would have had a first crack at him, but uh, I, it'll be cool. I mean, you know, we haven't like Fiji is pretty far away from the regions that we've been getting corals from, you know, it's kind of out in the middle of the Pacific, right?
1: Yes. It's, yeah. it's, So well, it's out there off, you know, definitely way off the coast of Australia, but it's out there towards Solomon and mm-hmm. uh, Anuatu, yeah. Kinda, I Yeah. I, that's a uh, south, south of uh, Papua New Guinea. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, no, I mean Fiji was a staple. I mean, there, it was a staple for 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 a long time. I mean, Walt was doing a lot of stuff out there, and mm-hmm. they had the whole whole uh, aquaculture out there. Um, I used to bring in stuff when Chris Turnier, who now works at uh, Worldwide Corals, I mean, the, the, he was picking out some amazing stuff for us yeah. back then, um, and so. I mean, I'm sure that market's going to be hot
0: for for that. Well, it's cool. I mean, you know, probably like the Acropora from Fiji were pretty unique. Like they're all like most of them are pretty tight branch and kind of almost like, I don't know, like some of the species would be say the same as like, like you'd see like uh, Hyacinthus from Fiji is like a totally different looking coral than the Indo-Hyacinthus, which looks a little more like a Millie. Yeah. But I don't know if the terminology is correct scientific name wise, you know.
1: I mean, they're all close. I mean, it's so yeah. difficult. I mean, unless you're, I mean, taking these things down to DNA and skeletons. I mean, it's very difficult. Some are pretty obvious. But I don't think they're as, like you said right now, they're not as similar to, to endo. But I do find a lot of characteristics uh, from Australia that are similar to them.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Obviously, you get some different variations of these certain acros. You're going to get, you know, probably even some different colors and shapes, but uh, you you see some similarities Mm -hmm. from there.
0: Yeah, because you kind of have to imagine when the Great Barrier Reef was forming, a lot of the probably the corals that kind of formed in the Great Barrier Reef would have come from, you know, currents and stuff that would have, would have, you know, gradually worked their way over there. And then, you know, Australia kind of evolved its own, uh, you know, variants of all of these things, like the microclados and, and, you know, things like that. So, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah.
1: Australia, getting all, get, Australia got all the good stuff. They were getting all that current from the Coral Triangle, yeah. you know, up over the Philippines and, and uh, Papua New Guinea, Bali and Malaysia, all that kind of like.
0: Mm-hmm. It's like a fusion. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, whereas oh, yeah. I feel like Fiji is probably a little more isolated. And that's probably why. More of the corals I'd say look similar, you don't see maybe yeah. as much diversity, but uh, but it'll be interesting. I actually kind of wanted to talk to you about some of the differences in the regions, and and uh, maybe we could talk about Australian corals a little bit more. Um, sure. yeah, like as far as I don't know, I, I mean, I talk about SPS a lot on this podcast, but I mean, you probably agree, like some of the craziest LPS come from Australia.
1: I mean. Everything comes from there. So, I mean, you know, people don't even, people don't really give a lot of attention to certain corals like lobophilia from Australia. Mm-hmm. And, oh my God, the lobophilia that that we get from there are just amazing. Yeah. It's almost like, so, so you know, zoanthids. Everyone li- loves the zoanthids because you have all these different colors and different patterns. And, and it's almost like that with every coral, right? I mean, you know, for acropora, I'm a stickhead. So yeah. one wants the multicolor Acropora and that's where, you know, these tenuouses are, are very popular right now because, or they have been popular because of all the multicolors that they have different mm-hmm. color pollen Lobophilia have that same characteristic,
2: mm-hmm. but
1: no one's really into them as much as they should be yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, And Lobophilia from Australia are not only really nice, colored, multicolored, but, they're much more healthier. Mm-hmm. Australian corals, for some reason, and I think a lot has to do with the collection of it. They're not in a small boat, yeah. Where the, you got sun? I, I've seen the way corals have been collected in in Indonesia, Malaysia.
0: Yeah, and the packing facilities. Like yes. it's just it's a higher budget operation, right? It's not it's, the developing it, world. It's Australia, yeah. right?
1: <laughs> I mean, it's like it's like okay. Getting your system that you have it in at your facility, and almost everyone in Australia has the same thing.
2: Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. So, so it's way different. And, and and I give a lot of you know credit to Indonesia. They're stepping up their game. They have stepped up Definitely. their game. Yeah, and they're continuing to because they're seeing this the importance of having a higher quality. I mean, that's why you see Ganiapora is living more now. Mm-hmm. You see elegance living longer now. Yeah, you know, before when you got those corals, I mean, forget about it. I mean, yeah. we wouldn't even want to import them because it was just like, why, why, why are we going to encourage these guys to take this stuff from the reef? We don't even want it.
0: Yeah, I think they're figuring out what. Like speaking of the goniopora from Indo, um, like I, in my experience, like the wild, like the bigger kind of colonies that are wild, like they don't do as well as the smaller little micro colonies or anything that's aquacultured. So it's like, you know, I think it's uh, an awareness of kind of what what does well for us too, is maybe part of it.
1: Sure. Well, like, like the internet has really educated a lot of people as well as, you know, you know, uh, form these communities like this here, but they're educated now. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, if, if, if one supplier is educating themselves, you know, thoroughly and, and they're getting that feedback from their customers where they're not losing money, you know, they're not having to do all these DOA credits. And then you got some people who are, who are kind of like, uh, I don't say like advertising, but they're, they're they're showing that hey, this supplier has really good product.
2: Mm-hmm. They're
1: doing it right, and maybe you know how Jake Adams was going to Indonesia a yeah. lot. He was, he was highlighting a lot of how people were doing things, and so that it gave people exposure. And so imagine that person's competition saying, hey, so and so down the street here is getting all this exposure, and I'm sure he's getting a lot of business. We need to step up our game too now.
2: Mm
3: -hmm.
1: And so now it's just like either you get in where you fit in or you're gonna get lost.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So
1: behind. So you better step up your game. You don't have a choice no more. Yeah. Because because the American consumer demands that quality. Yeah. You know, and so you're not gonna get any business from certain people if you're not doing it right. Yeah.
0: And I think as a result of, of that too, like we were seeing like crazier stuff than I ever imagined coming out of Indo because I kind of remember maybe this was like maybe five or six years ago. Like it was really hard to come across the kind of rainbow tenuous and like, I didn't see any Ganiapora that were those kind of rainbow Ghanis. Like you might see like a, like a hot pink one or maybe like a flamethrower kind of, or flame, you know, fireball type. But, um, you know, now it's like, there's just like every color combination under the sun is, is, is getting collected. So part of that competition is probably, um, you know, collecting and finding new broodstock too.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, but I think, At at the foundation of it all, if 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 you can't keep it alive and you can't produce a healthy product, I mean, you will. We we're very selective on who we work with, Mm -hmm. because you know we're not going to bring in product from somebody if it's inferior. And 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 when I say that, I'm not saying rare. I'm not looking. Yes, obviously, everyone every supplier out there wants the best of the best, but. I want healthy corals.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I want healthy corals that we can work with and give them a better chance in their journey to the end user. Because mm-hmm. because if not, if we're starting off with a bad product from the beginning, not only is that gonna make our job more difficult, you know, it's just not gonna survive. In its journey. Yeah. It's yeah. So yeah. we've, yeah, we've, we don't deal with a lot of people. We've honed down who we're going to be working with and we have criteria of what we deal with, what we, we need from certain people.
0: Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask about Malaysia um, because I kind of got some of my first Malaysian acros for the first time, some speciosa and, and whatnot. And um, how have you done with some of those corals and how do you feel about kind of some of the corals coming out of that region?
1: Well, I went to Malaysia um, in 2016, mm-hmm. and we had a, a strong lead out there from uh, within our organization. They had a business partner from China, um, and so they were looking to give out one of their permits.
0: So it was a CITES that was going to go. Yeah,
1: because uh, from yeah. what we understood, there was there was two permit holders in Malaysia, mm-hmm. and the government was looking to cease business with one of one of those holders of that permit, and mm-hmm. we were led to believe that we were going going to be able, have an opportunity to to sit down and, and negotiate with that. Mm-hmm. So so we went on that journey down there um, uh, to Samporna and this was during their election and I got we ended up sitting down with the prime minister from that area oh wow <laughs> And it was the day of the election and so trying to trying to get him to sit down was was all day thing I mean we went from uh, sitting at a mall waiting for him and then going to a restaurant and waiting for him and then uh, some way somehow we ended up going to this house at like 10 30 at night sitting down with him and what we believed was, you know, a strong conversation for us to move forward. Mm -hmm. And so we went down there and the corals are amazing. The corals that they were pulling up out of the water were amazing. Uh, I was just blown away.
0: And, and you know, the thing that blows me away about it is that you know, Indo has had so much time to go collecting and find and check different regions and see what they can pull out of the ocean. And then in Malaysia, in a very short amount of time, we see some of the nicer corals we've seen in a while. It's pretty remarkable, really.
1: Yeah. It was amazing.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, to piggyback on Malaysia, you know, when we first started, there was a a region near Malaysia called Borneo. Mm -hmm. And we had imported from there way back in the day. And unfortunately, I mean, you know, they didn't really know what they were doing. So there was just, I mean, significant DOAs. Yeah. But it was, I guess why I'm bringing this up was back then, they were already, you know, collecting corals. Mm -hmm. So they were already aware.
3: They had the idea, yeah.
1: So, yeah, I mean, I'm sure that they were collecting corals, and maybe those corals were making their way to different countries, but illegally, probably, I don't know
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, you hear all these rumors, but I think they already knew what they were doing down there, and that's why I you know it kind of leads to like oh wow, in a short amount of time, mm-hmm. yes and no, because I think they were already collecting yeah. now i think I think what they have now is now they have legal permits to to collect,
0: yeah, yeah. It does make you think, though, like, based on the proximity of Malaysia and how different some of the corals are, like, you got to think there must just be some insane stuff that we just have no idea what it looks like sure. under aquarium lighting.
1: Sure. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't dive, so I don't really know all that about, you know, how deep they're collected, but mm-hmm. I can tell you this: where we were... Anchored, the water was just so calm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And and you look overboard and you don't see nothing. All you see is blue, dark, no corals, nothing. Mm-hmm. And then these guys are coming up with baskets of hammer, torch, lobophilia, fungias.
0: Mm-hmm. So they're lobophilia. diving deep then.
1: Yeah. And, and, yeah. and you just like, wow. You know, I had this vision, you see uh, uh, um, on YouTube. Just this current of reef and just Mm. everything's flowing, and you could see the corals overboard.
0: Yeah, that's more like Fiji. Yeah. Oh, there's
1: nothing like it. Yeah. Nothing like it. It opened my eyes to, like, okay, hey, you know what? Maybe the corals don't need as much light as we think.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah, maybe that's something to keep in mind for the Malaysian corals. Um, what about the SPS from Malaysia? Like, did you have a sense of their depth and maybe like a no. recommended par for some of those?
1: No, I didn't see them collect any. But when we went to their uh, facility, um, they did have some acros. They mm-hmm. had some acros. These little kiddie pools, which was kind of, <laughs> kind of, yeah, that was not cool to see. That I was like, wow, how are those going to do? Yeah. And so I, I, to be quite honest, I wasn't even interested. I was like, I'm not interested in all the acros right here. We get acros from Australia and Indo. I'm happy with those. Mm-hmm. You know, those don't look like they'll probably make it. And here we are now. Everyone wants them. Mm-hmm. Everyone wants the macros in them. Yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah. yeah. Um,
0: but sorry. Yeah. The, the Malaysia thing. Uh as far as because you you've you've been you sell like some of the speciosa and whatnot like oh, yes. Yes. Have, have you uh like kept quite a few of them long term by this point that are like your good kind of brood stock kind of colonies
1: i'm always late to the party for some reason I, I i i you know i was late to the party on leds i was late to the parties on, on when they had these luminar reflectors I, I, yeah it get it gets set in my ways and i'm just like hey I like what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. I'm cool with what I'm doing, but sooner or later, you know, I end up, you know, getting in. So I was really late to the specios and all that. So I just Mm -hmm. back in April, back in April, we first got our first little batch of them, and I had heard all these stories. They're so difficult to deal with, and I experienced the same thing. They Mm -hmm. were very difficult to deal with, and to this day, we still lose, we still lose some here and there. Um uh I have some that do great and for no reason or other I'll have a frag to start pilling. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's it's still, you know, I'm still kind of I don't want to say experimenting, but I'm still kind of dealing with yeah how to 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 really have them um last long term. Yeah. Because it's only since April.
0: Yeah, and the same thing like for me is like, you know, I have some colonies now and you know, if somebody wants to buy a frag under the premise that like it's fresh, like it's not tank conditioned, like I might sell a frag or two. Sure. But I think I would really feel better conditioning them for six months to a year, probably a year plus, till to really put my stamp behind them. I think sure. that's really kind of the testament to any any coral, right? Like, um, maybe besides some LPS, like I feel like um, you know, the, the, probably the tank conditioning period is not as long as say SPS, but, um, especially for those speciosa, I, I mean, it's like, a it's like, I think people should probably ask their supplier how long they've had it <laughs> in their possession.
1: Yeah. No, but with, with, with how this community is so, uh, close now or mm-hmm. before it was much different now, everyone's sharing everything so there's a lot of people sharing stuff maybe we don't see it so much out there you know on social media i st- i see some people sharing it a little bit but behind the scenes there's a lot of stuff going on to where people are sharing information
2: mm-hmm.
1: and so it, it, it that will bleed out into the mainstream for everybody yeah uh, so it it does trickle out there um the tenures do great mm-hmm. the ten- that's really have heard
3: do. yeah Yeah.
1: I mean, we have some tenuous that are just doing amazing. Yeah. Um, The colors are just, like, crazy. The polyps are thick and just, like, wow. Yeah. And I I think
0: something about it is the the fact that they're wild collected corals. They're not aquacultured. Um, Because I think there are some problems with the mariculture process and those bases and those racks they're grown on. And sometimes maybe the regions that they're grown in. Um, I don't know if you've experienced some issues. I'm sure you have. Um, but I think there's something with the iron on the racks that can get into the base. I think there's potentially green boring algae is another thing I've kind of looked into. Because sometimes, especially the tenuous seem to be affected. And I'm talking Indo here. The tenuous sure. seem to be affected by it, where I'll have a piece that comes in looking pretty good. Usually I rebase them um, if they're going to move to my main system. And you'll cut into it and the skeleton in the lower part of the skeleton will be green. Um, yeah, and then uh, probably within, it's always within between a month and six months, that piece will die and start peeling from the base. However, if I've made a frag from the growth tips further out, the frags will be fine.
1: Huh. So, well, I, mean, if, yeah, I think if you're growing, if, you're, if it's growing that boring algae that you say, which I've seen actually, but I haven't seen that in a long time.
0: Yeah. I, wonder, I haven't seen yeah. it
1: in a long time, but I know what you're talking about.
0: Yeah. It must be, um, just depending on how, depending on the farm, right? Like how they, how they frag and how they, how they set up.
1: Just like the improvement of their technology of their equipment and everything. Mm -hmm. I've seen improvements of these bases. Whereas before, I mean, you would get all kinds of stuff and some of the algae that were were coming on those
0: discs,
1: (laughs) they got into your tank you were done yeah just it,
0: like a cocktail ready to explode like probably oh, some yeah. workers scrubbed it before they shipped it so it kind of you're kind of like oh that looks all right and then it's just like
1: it's <laughs> these little cement things that they're coming in now it looks like they're easier for them to clean mm-hmm. uh, so they're much, way cleaner now than they ever were
0: yeah uh, and one farm hard. one farm's doing a acrylic bases too Okay, uh, which is kind of an interesting approach, is I think for them it's really easy to clean. So, um,
1: yeah, it's less weight too, so that kind of yeah. helps with. At the end of the day, I mean, every little penny counts, you know. So that gets always passed on to the consumer. So any any cost reduction that they can do will definitely help out the market.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, can you tell me about your? We'll do a little gear shift here. Tell me about the farm a little bit, like how many gallons and. And uh, what's the kind of facility like?
1: So, um, the facility is about 8,400 square feet. Um, it's pretty big. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's, it's, it's big. Uh, we have uh, I don't know, about 18 uh, raceways, I think. Wow. I think it's 18.
0: Enough that you can't remember the exact number. Yeah, right off the top you know, of your head.
1: We, have number, we have them, they're in uh alphabetical instead of numerical mm-hmm. so I we go all the way to p yeah so <laughs> all the way to p uh, from a a to h i believe is there 1200 gallon systems and each one is individual and wow. then then the other half are glass tanks that are 600 mm-hmm. 650 gallons um yeah during covid we moved to this new facility, and we try to buy the raceways that we had on the other side, and the price jumped about three hundred percent.
0: Wow! In glass?
1: So, uh, no, for these uh, fiberglass. Um, oh, for the yeah. systems that we were using, yeah. And so we said, okay, well, let's just price out the glass and see how much that is. And I was like, okay, well, that's six hundred dollars, and the fiberglass are nine thousand. Let's just go with the glass on yeah. these yeah which was kind of cool too because now we could kind of see the corals from the, from the top too. Yeah. also from the side yeah well I mean it's, so it, it it helps with that yeah too so
0: just more a little uh, more maintenance a little more glass cleaning maintenance yes
1: um so Fragbox corals he came down about a year or two ago and so he did a video of our whole facility.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I saw a little bit of that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, it's, it, I mean, you know, he, he, he did it. So, I mean, you could kind of see the sound was a little crazy because we had fans going on. Mm-hmm. And I guess whatever kind of mic he had going on there. But um, so, yeah, we, we were starting to do a lot more farming. Um, we were primarily importing uh, a lot of stuff slipped through our hands that we let go. But th- that was our business model, just to bring stuff in. But after COVID, we're like, hey, we need to really start stepping up our game farming.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: so we've been very actively growing a lot more stuff.
0: Yeah. And that's kind of like a cool position for you to be in because you see all this stuff come in and you're, you know, you're the first guy in the line, right? You can yep. you can be like, yep, we're keeping that one. That's something yeah. special. Yeah.
1: You know, I, I we, we want to make sure if it's just one coral thin, that we've never seen, obviously, I feel better about bringing it in, conditioning it, and say, okay, let's just split it up. Let's split it up mm-hmm. with, you know, let's air, let it, as many people have access to this instead of just one customer. Mm-hmm. And it seems to have been working. You know, people at first weren't really into frags because they wanted to be the one doing the fragging. And I get that I used to own a store. It's like, I never, I want the colony, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. we, the colony so we can frag it, you know, but, you know, as costs kind of rose um, and things became a little bit more challenging for some customers, mm-hmm. we know, we noticed that just fragging just became like, the thing that works for everybody now
0: yeah and then you've got you've, you know who has some of those pieces and you've got backups too and you yes. get, get to see um you know especially in the t- terms of sps like things are going to look different in other people's tanks like you probably get photos from Absolutely. people and you're like look how the so-and-so is doing it's dude it's got this pink in it now or whatever some yeah. new color yeah. or whatever yes yeah, yeah. that's
1: yeah. a whole different conversation right there that? <laughs> i mean just I mean, I see the I see that in all the the shows that you do with all the people that you bring aboard. Everyone has their own method of how they, you know, are successful.
0: Yeah, and, and all of the de- data I'm collecting basically is is not leading to one thing, or you know, no, it's
1: not it's not no, super clear.
0: know yeah.
1: it, it, it can blow your mind, and you can, you know, it can cause some frustration, and it could actually be more harmful because you, you know you start trying to chase and emulate what everyone's doing and you don't even realize sometimes what you're doing is actually working and you just need a little bit more patience and maybe just a little bit less, you know, mm-hmm. changing. Yeah. But no, it's, there's so many ways to do this. That's what's amazing about this industry is like, there's just so many ways people are just very innovative and
2: mm-hmm.
1: some people are patient and some people are just risk tak- takers and some people are, you know, scientists and they just want to just, know every little thing about it and they just want to dive deep into it yeah so it's amazing
0: yeah we're all kind of attracted to the hobby i think you know going back to what you were saying earlier kind of getting into it it's like you know some people are attracted to it for the sort of biology side of it some people are attracted to it for kind of the beauty of it and just you know the experience of having a tank and then some people like you know, like you go over and check out their tank, and the first thing they want to show you is their controller board. You know, <laughs> so there's so many different kind of approaches, and I kind of enjoy it all. But I would never have an Instagrammable uh, controller board.
1: <laughs> well, we don't even have have one of those. So yeah. it's like, yeah, we're still kind of like in the in the prehistoric kind of ways that we do things, but I, I have been paying attention to a lot of different things that people do. And I'll, I, I guess I'm one of the guys that likes to tweak yeah. and kind of experiment because, you know, we want to see what works, you
3: know, yeah.
1: you know, back when we first started nitrates and phosphates were like, you know, no, Bad we guys. don't want tank, yeah. And now it's like, wait a minute. I, I, I can't keep my tank without any phosphates or nitrates, mm-hmm. you know, they actually do good, you know, and You know, the technology's better, the lighting's better, the skimmers are better. So you have all this efficiency now and you're just like, okay, well, you know, we need to feed more. We need to do this. We need to try out this food and maybe, you know, not do so much of that.
0: Yeah. 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 And then sometimes I look back a little bit and I kind of go like, yeah, there's some things that I kind of did a little more simply at a certain point and I had better success in with certain corals like certain kinds of things looked better back in those days where you know my every time I tested my nitrates and phosphates they were zero but for some reason I could grow red planet at you know into giant colonies this big you know in, in a matter of a year or, year or two or whatever so you know there's certain things that that worked for whatever reason um, but you know um, I don't think, you know, some of the nuances of colors and, and some of probably the range of species and, and, and whatnot, I don't think I would be able to do that with my system from six or seven years ago. I, I mean, I think the corals that did well were the ones that did well because it was kind of a survival of the fittest kind of situation. But um, I don't think I would have been able to keep, you know, all the fancy kind of tenuous and things like that with the color that I have now without being a little more particular.
1: Well, oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, once again, you know, the, the information that is just being shared out there now, it's just, it makes it possible for people to, to do things like this now. Like mm-hmm. you say, with the US. Um, you know, when, when we first started, when I first started, you know, there was this thing called Z of it that came onto the scene mm-hmm. and, and everyone was just like, wow, what is this? You know, And 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 I'm, I'm the risk taker, tweaking, likes to tweak on the tank kind of guy. I said, I'm going to reach out to these guys. I want to know. I want in. Mm-hmm. And we were like one of the first ones to kind of adapt th- that process of keeping keeping their tanks. And this was in 2000, mm-hmm. 2001. Yeah. And, and there was so much controversy on it. Back then, it was Recentral. And there was some major, major controversy back then.
0: Yeah. Um, and and just for listeners that don't aren't super familiar with that system, it's basically like an ultra-limited nutrient system where you kind of feed, you limit the zooxanthellae, which makes the coral darker, to kind of make the corals more pastel so the, the colors kind of shine through without being darkened by the density of the zooxanthellae. And you feed the coral more bacteria and the kind of trace elements that they need. Uh, yes. to kind of achieve these kind of bright, vibrant kind of, actually a little bit like uh, Fiji corals when they come in. They kind of look like Zeovic corals. <laughs>
1: just all yeah. this fluorescent pastel yeah. color. So but, how, did, how did it go for you? <laughs> well, you know, uh, I had my blinders on, Adam. Once again, I had my blinders on. And it's like, you know what? Listen, I like the way the corals look. I want to try to achieve that. And so, you know, I got close with, you know, there was a good community of people that really had success with, with Zealbit. And so we, be you know, we, I believed in it so much at that time that I became uh, one of the dealers.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So we were one of the dealers in the United States that, you know, distributed the product, but we were using it too. Now my corals never got to that pastel color. I could never get it,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, but our corals did great. And our corals were healthy and our corals were colorful and the corals were growing and they were reproducing and we were selling frags and people were happy. Um, so, you know, it, they were definitely way ahead of their time back then, though,
3: mm-hmm. because
1: the, it's funny now, everyone is dosing trace elements now. Yeah. You know, we didn't have ICP testing back then, so it was much more difficult. And, and because Zeobit never said what was in, in these blue bottles, I can understand the controversy and I would be, you know, kind of upset too, if I was that guy, mm-hmm. but I wasn't that guy. I was the guy that said, okay, I know what they're doing. I know it works because look what they're doing. Yeah. And, and so, you know, I'll try it, you know, let's just stay away from zeal too, though, because that stuff will.
0: Yeah. I heard that stuff's pretty hardcore. Though. Yeah.
1: But, but everything else worked. And so, you know, uh, we had success with it, but, they were definitely ahead of their time and, and you know, well, it's
0: it's probably safe to say that a lot of our systems back in those days were trace element deficient and anything, adding anything on top of that was probably helping a little bit, you know, like who knows what my potassium was back in 2005. I don't know, (laughs) but when I, yeah. Yeah.
1: They did have a test kit for it, but the, it wasn't yeah. accurate. It was yeah. It was very difficult to read. So I mean, you know, and, and we were all hung up on potassium at that time because we we, it was it was the new element, and everyone was just hung up on it. And it did make when you dosed it, you can see the difference. Yeah. In in the corals.
3: Yeah, more blues. But we,
1: for had, sure. a way of, we had no real way of knowing what those levels were. Mm-hmm. So you had to figure it out by trial and error too. Mm-hmm. Um but uh now you know with these with the ICP testing, you know, or these different brands of testing, you know, that are done, you can you can you can know those numbers and you can tweak those to those numbers. But back then I I think people were doing the right thing, which was just doing water changes, right? Yeah. Zero, zero, if if you I used to tell customers, when they would call to want to do zero, but they would ask me all these questions and I would tell them, listen, if you are having success right now, stick with what you're doing. But if you are that mad scientist and you're willing to put in the work and be detailed about what you're going to be doing and you're going to log all your information and you're going to gather data and you're going to, you're going to uh, interact with other people and share that data, then I encourage you to do zeal mm-hmm. But if, if, if you're doing water changes and your corals look good and you're not willing to do that, I don't suggest you do it because you will fail and then you will have problems.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like if you're happy with your tank and, you know, if it's doing well and you're not questing for that, like, you know, next best kind of little step of color or whatever you can pull out, then that, you know, that's a very healthy way to have
1: a reef aquarium. Absolutely. <laughs> you know? to this day, I mean, there's people that, that just... They do water changes, they feed, they're using good equipment and they keep it really simple Mm -hmm. and it actually works. And and it just, you know, I don't, I don't know what to blame for why people want to, you know, kind of alter what really works. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I don't know the answer to that because I'm one of those people that will, test things and maybe it's that maybe it's the it's it's the trying to push to test to see how far you can take things yeah yeah maybe it's you know we're all that little scientist in us that wants to do that um
0: yeah i mean the people that i talk to with some of the best looking corals around they're 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 obsessed with finding something new that you know like improves or solves a problem or you know just even just achieves like stability long term because it's always a up and down process for any system and a tank has a stride and a low point like yes. you know it, it has a you know sometimes it's a, a couple weeks or it's a few months or almost a year where things just do great and then sometimes it's the opposite yes oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough <laughs>
1: Those are not fun. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, something I guess you've kind of had the advantage of doing um, in having the amount of systems you have is you probably are able to play with parameters and lighting um, between the systems a little bit. Like, can you tell me, um, you know, kind of what you've done differently between systems? And have you observed anything like that you've learned over the years from that?
1: So, a majority of the systems are, are pretty much. Everything is pretty much identical. Yeah, I mean...
0: Similar method.
1: Yeah. Everything. Yeah. Everything is the only thing that is different are our are, are farmed aquaporous systems. That's it. Mm-hmm. All the other systems are the same. Now, even though we take care of them the same, doesn't mean that the parameters are the same.
3: Yeah, yeah.
1: And, and, and that has a lot to do with because there's so many corals coming in and out that... You can never, each tank will never all be the same
2: mm-hmm. and
1: because, you know, maybe one tank has a lot of zoanthids in it and a lot of soft corals. And then this tank has all these lobo fills, all these LPS, all these stony corals. So th- that will always be the thing that separates why that one would be different than the mm-hmm. other ones, you know, but the aquapor systems are definitely different. I mean, they take a little, a lot more attention.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Different
1: lines, obviously. Um, different feeding. So.
0: Yeah. Have you ever seen like a parameter get kind of outside of the normal range where you've noticed anything positive from it? Like, have you yes. ever? <laughs> yeah.
1: Actually, yes. Um, so, one of our LPS frag systems, well, it's LPS Zalanta systems. Mm -hmm. Our our nitrates are – and they have not changed for like maybe four months. Our nitrates are 61, and our phosphates are 0.23. Wow. And I was like, what? This is not good. But the corals look great. And so (laughs) yeah. the tweaker that I am, the tweaking that I wanted to do on it, it was – okay, let's lower this stuff.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So uh, I used some, some stuff to lower the phosphates and nitrates and we started having corals die.
2: hmm
1: And they were not happy at all. And so I said, okay, well, let's not do that. Just, let's just leave this tank alone. But all the other tanks, parameters are, you know, point zero nine to like point one two nitrates and mm-hmm. Phosphates and then like maybe ten, yeah, Then nitrates.
0: Yeah,
1: just this one tank. I don't know why. Yeah, we don't do anything different to this tank. Yeah, so it
0: it just um it's settled on those kind of numbers
1: and that's and they don't move. yeah and we do water changes and yeah. it will not move so we just leave it. It's mm-hmm. so yeah. one of those things you can't figure out just uh, like why mess with it. The corals are happy.
0: Yeah. And I've experienced that too, because I think like any system, if you kind of leave it alone long enough and let it establish, it kind of like finds its set point. Like nature kind of wants to find a way, you know, I think that these, these nutrient ratios, um, like kind of, kind of find their natural balance. Like, I think that it's safe to kind of give it that hundred to one kind of nitrate to phosphate is a good rule of thumb. Um, you know, and obviously you don't want to have wildly high phosphate and no nitrate. Like, you're going to have problems there. But, yeah. um, you know, a similarity I've seen with any system, um, you know, the people that I talk to that have the best kind of tanks is is they have that, like, that balance, you know, somewhere in that region as far as the ratio of nutrients. So maybe just... maybe the numbers don't matter so much. It's more about the ratio than the numbers. Maybe. I mean... But if you took an SPS, like a, some macro from the acro system, and you put it in that LPS system, I
1: have an acro in there, and I test it, I'm i testing it for that reason, mm-hmm. and I forgot it was in there until I, I seen it the other day, and I'm like, it has color. Yeah, It's not done, and it's growing. So mm-hmm. it wasn't brown. It wasn't brown. Now, it isn't, getting, it isn't getting a lot of light. It's probably only getting like 150 par, but it's colored, mm-hmm. and it's not, lime, and it's not brown. So th- I found that interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But... It's
0: interesting because I think they say that um, you know okay. elevated um, phosphate, when it comes to SPS, will um, mess with the the uh, calcification process a little bit, and it'll kind of get bound up in that skeleton growth and potentially slow down the growth. But I would imagine that's at a at a pretty high level.
1: Yes. It's not growing fast. Definitely. I definitely think that those phosphates are limiting that growth. Yeah. Yeah. But But it is growing.
0: But it doesn't have as much light either. So it's a few factors involved. Yeah.
1: And there's no algae in the tank. Yeah. You know, every every three days, you know, we get the haze on there, you know, we clean it. But there's no algae on the tank, too. So it's like... You know, go
0: figure. Yeah. And another interesting thing on that, on the lines of that is um, I have a display that I I maintain in the local fish store. I kind of collaborate with and um, it's a nice big like 10 foot tank and it's always settled on a higher nutrient profile too. Like it's been nitrates 30 to 40, phosphates, you know, 0.2 to 0.3, you know, again, kind of in a hundred to one ish ratio. But there was a point where I was just like, I don't think the tank should have nutrients this high. So I I can't remember I ran some um I ran a few different things to lower the nutrients and I actually what ended up happening is the algae exploded everywhere. Wow. You know, like um yeah there was there was dinos there was some hair algae that I you know you would have thought the tangs were taking care of it but yep. just for whatever reason like that putting that balance off that the tank had settled on. Um, was just the perfect environment for this algae to be like, okay, here we go, <laughs> you know. Why so, did I do that? <laughs> yeah, so I ended up just kind of pulling all of that stuff off. I actually had been doing a refugium was was part of it, or I put a, a light in the sump with some 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 chato. And uh, so I pulled all that off, and within about two months, like that algae was gone, you know. It just gradually just settled back in the place it wanted to be, and it's been like that ever since, you know.
1: Yeah. you have have a good biome in there you got some good rock and you know you just let nature take its course and yeah we can phase that what will happen
0: yeah and most likely as the corals grow um the nutrients will probably start to get lower and then you get to that point where they're you know low 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 but do you add any nitrates or phosphates to any of your tanks in um Mm -hmm. you know additive form
1: we are adding to a majority of our holding systems um our acapora system at one point, I was adding because I could not keep them up. Now uh, I cannot keep. I cannot bring them down. They're 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 staying at a certain area.
0: So they've kind uh, of found a, a settled. In, point. interacts
1: our our systems. Yeah. Yes, so I just kind of just leave it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we feed a lot, but the other systems that we're importing and and shipping out from, a lot of the corals. We are having to add Mm
0: -hmm. uh,
1: nitrates and phosphates.
0: Yeah, and like, what do you think about the difference between, um, you know, adding phosphate product versus, or say, nitrate versus versus that occurring, you know, in a in a natural way through feeding and fish poop and whatnot.
1: Well, I mean, we're feeding a lot, and there's a lot of fish in there, and they're still not keeping up. So, I, I don't think maybe. I don't think we reached that saturation point. Yeah. And, and it, so we've been in that warehouse going on four years. And maybe it's because, like I said, because we're shipping, receiving, it's like almost we're having water changes every day.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So so we, we started shutting off the skimmers. That hasn't really even helped. So I mean, yeah. right now we're, we're kind of like with our you know hands in the air saying okay well i mean the corals look good mm-hmm. so that's a good thing corals corals are healthy that's a good thing let's not try to rock the boat too much and just you know try to get let's let's all get together i mean get along and just <laughs> try not to mess with each other here yeah you know? yeah
0: yeah uh, something i want to i might actually do like a like an actual video on this is um you know some of the differences between organic fo- or organic nitrates versus inorganic nitrates, like inorganic being, you know, adding a nitrate solution to the yes. tank. Um, because the point is kind of that, um, you know, nitrate should occur as the final part of the biological process, um, you know, from, it yeah, it should. So if you're just adding nitrate as nitrate, then um, it didn't really happen. The way it's supposed to happen and that may not have the same bioavailability bioavailability to the corals but i mean if your corals are doing well and you're adding nitrates to the systems i mean and i've done i do it too um yeah it'd be interesting to get some like stronger data on it i think i'm going to ask lou from um tropic marin um because he's he's going to do this with me at some point so he'd be a good person to dig you into mean- that with
1: to ask because that guy
0: knows a lot of stuff yeah he's very good at explaining stuff so yeah
1: very good good. i love his videos
0: Mm -hmm. yeah definitely yeah um so i guess uh something i always ask people is is there a product that you ever started using that you really think made a difference like you can really you know and i i guess not just like a basic product but something that you started dosing or um, you know, say a food or something that really worked for you.
1: Um, trace elements. Yeah. Trace elements. I mean, it goes back to zeal, like back then, like they didn't tell you what was in it. Yes, we get that. But we didn't, I didn't think they did a good general way, way of explaining like how much the corals need these elements and so, you know, once we started dosing these trace elements, you know, in basic form, like we were, we've I had some leftover bottles of Zeovit, and they have this thing called the Coral System.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's a non-Zeovit way of using Zeovit, if that makes any sense. Okay. So. Basically, you weren't using the rock or the bacteria or the or the or the or the carbon source.
0: Right? Yeah, you're not using their like. Yeah. It's not the actual like, system.
1: Just, yeah, yeah. But they had these bottles. that said there was a number one, two, three, and four. And I said, well, let's just use these bottles up. Yeah. And I was just blown away, like what was happening in the tank. And this was acropora. Okay, mm-hmm. so it's like okay. And then I seen Lou, one of Lou's videos, and he broke everything down. So we started using the Tropic Marin A&K, mm-hmm.
2: and
1: it, it just seemed a big difference. Mm-hmm. It just seemed a big difference. And so I said, okay, there's something to this. So I started doing more research on it, and, you know, yeah, you can get that through salt. And that's why I say if you're doing regular water changes, then you're getting what you should be getting yeah. these bottles, right, yeah. to some degree.
0: Yeah, to some degree,
1: it, It's are better, but you know, and that's where the whole balling method comes in. You know, we're not we weren't doing that, but I understand why they do that. But if you're adding that stuff in, in conjunction with a water change, you, you are going to get some better results for sure. Mm,
0: yeah. Yeah. Would you say there's any particular trace element? Um, I'm not including iodine and potassium. I'm talking about the the ones in micrograms per liter or whatever. Is there any one in particular that you um, you maybe have noticed more of a difference with, or like maybe you would say is more important than some of the other ones?
1: Well, see, and every tank is different, but for us, it was fluoride.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I second for that. Us, actually. Yeah. Yeah.
1: For us, it was fluoride. Um, and then once again, you have to reach, you have to get to a saturation point because we don't know, even though your test will t- tell you how low you are. And if, unless you're testing like every two or three days with the ICP, you're never going to be on 100% on top of it. Mm-hmm. So you never know how much you're fully consuming. Right. Yeah. Because, because you're waiting a week or two before your next test. So you're not really knowing. Yeah, it's, Even-
0: a, it's a hard one to figure out your rate of depletion because yes. um, I don't do the total ICP every time because Fonamarin is what I use and they have the total ICP and the Reef ICP. And the Reef ICP doesn't do it, but the total ICP costs a little bit more. So I sure. do it maybe every third one. And by the time that one comes around, my fluoride's low again. And
1: but the, you will, once you get to that saturation point, now, no?
0: it'll it'll you it kind of hold. You'll go yeah, and you'll
1: know because you're gonna be like, oh wait, we we my our tank took over a year and a half to get to that level.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I'm almost there because the last two ICPS I have been, you know, like, oh really? I need to put that much fluoride in. So I've been yes. doing it, and I can tell you um, the tips on my, um, especially any tenuous that has a blue tip. The tip is so deeper, like brighter blue than it's ever been. Yeah. Yeah. And something Chris Wood from uh, Captivate Aquaculture told me, uh, he said, uh, if you want to just test your fluoride, just watch your blue corals, and when they get about as blue as they can't get any more blue anymore, then you probably have enough, (laughs) or something along those lines. It's it's funny to have him say something so (laughs) non-scientific.
1: So Zeobit used to have this one product Called potassium iodide fluoride.
0: Yeah, I remember now, that.
1: Oh, it was a potassium. I think it was iodide. just
0: potassium iodide.
1: It was potassium iodide. I, they
0: That's might have had potassium fluoride and potassium iodide. I think you had the two versions, maybe. Yeah. yeah. I that.
1: But that was for your blues, and I remember that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. I remember using that for sure. You use that, and your, your blues would get really
0: nice yeah and to me like the the cali tort Oregon tort those kind of corals they're about as blue as they can get but like i was saying i noticed it in those those tips of those tenuous the growth tips because um you know it's like sometimes they'll just look kind of blue under a photo but now it's like it's very obvious and the homewrecker has the like blue with the like violet at the end too it's like almost like pulled like a, a that fourth color out so um and i haven't really changed anything else on the system so I kind so, of think that's what I can attribute it to.
1: Yes, I think so too.
0: Yeah, yeah. So okay. other than that, um, you know, I know there's certain elements that are depleted more more quickly. I find uh, cro- chrome is one of the ones that goes fast. Nickel seems to go fast. Iron, obviously. Um, do you dose any of those more regularly?
1: We dose. We dose them all. Um, you know, there's there's uh, there's like a daily, four, and you mentioned some of them: uh, chromium,
3: yeah,
1: cobalt, iron, and manganese. Yeah, so those are things that you kind of dose daily. Um, so, you know, the other ones you want to kind of just hold off. I I really push the envelope with them. Mm-hmm. I, my, my dosing is a little bit kind of it's it's all up here. It's more of an art, so it's kind of. Hard to say. Okay, you Adam, you should be dosing this amount mm-hmm. based on this calculator, right? W- once we get to those levels, you know, I, I let the corals kind of like just show me, mm-hmm. like w- where they're at. Um, so it's it's. So by like, pushing
0: the limits, though, do you mean you have pushed some beyond um, the kind of acceptable natural seawater range, or? Well,
1: so we were. I, I was dosing, like. Daily, everything,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and you know, once, like, like he said, this guy from Captiv- Captivate, yeah, uh, and what once you know, everything is just like,
0: yeah, there, bluer than it can then, get, oh, or, or yeah, I
1: yeah, I stop. But I mean, you could see, you usually see the reactions two weeks after, right? Mm-hmm. You're, it's like a delayed reaction, so I know that I'm already. I was saturated maybe two weeks ago. Yeah. So now, what we do is I won't dose every day for maybe two weeks instead of going four weeks. I'll do it for two weeks,
2: mm-hmm. yeah.
3: and then I
1: just let things play out, and then we'll st- slowly start dosing again. Yeah. Because it it does stay in our system. We're not doing the water changes, so it, you it stays in our system.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think yeah, people probably don't think about this enough that you know to see a coral actually change other than you know having done something dramatic that's this is this is not going to be a good thing um it's it's a slow process of these you know corals like assimilating some of these trace elements into their tissue and their pigments and even just think about a coral getting darker from raising your nutrients It's like that's the zozenthalae population um, increasing the density. And that's not just going to happen right away. Like that's actually like these little organisms like multiplying. So um, it's uh, I think that's a good way to look at it is to kind of take your time, like elevate the level and then kind of give it two weeks and then check it because it's yeah.
1: That's what works for us. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't recommend anyone to do what we're doing because it's very aggressive what we do.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, you know, because, you know, we're, we're, we're testing, you know, we, we want to see how much these corals can handle. Mm-hmm. We want to see, you know, what, what we're getting from this dosing. Um, and and I could tell you this, you know, fluoride, be careful with it too, because you, if you do overdose, you will have problems. Mm-hmm. You know, say potassium, those two things right there are, are, are something that you do not want to play with without you know having any you know experience with
0: yeah yeah and that's good advice I think on the fluoride is once it reaches a saturation point where you know like it might take a few ICPs to get it kind of so it's close to that holding point but once you reach that don't think that the rate of depletion is going to continue yes. because it might, it might stabilize and that might have something to do with its relationship with iodine, which, um, the, the fauna ICP actually gives you like a balance, like a ratio of uh, iodine to, fl- to fluoride, uh, which is interesting because I guess those two elements just, you know, maybe ionically similar in some ways or whatever, but they, they interact and they kind of buffer each other. Um, you know, so it's yeah. all kind of, you know, all, even like Andre, um, that runs moonshiners, he kind of says like all these trace elements, you, you kind of have to just do all of them. We don't know why they all work so well together, but you need them all. <laughs> like yes. It's not just, yeah. you know, one and, or two.
1: And that's why the safe way for someone that maybe wants just a little bit more, I think the safe way is to use that something like, the tropic run AK yeah ati has one too that they it's a reef solution I think it's a part one part two
3: yeah uh,
1: I, I I seen on I think it was, I don't know if it was on your show but shot uh, that guy from SBB was talking about how he uses bionic and mm-hmm. it has elements in there and I never knew that and I went and researched and sure enough yeah it has it has everything in there yeah and I know some people that were using bionic like way back in the day that had some amazing corals so yeah. i don't even think they probably even knew that there was all these trace elements in there they were probably using it just for the calcium and the alkalinity you know mm-hmm. a portion of it and they were so happy with their corals that yeah. they were just like bionic man it yeah. works and i've heard that 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 you know so many times that bionic bionic yeah i learned something the other day listening to one of the shows like okay that's another way to do it and those are safe ways when you start using single elements i mean it's not very difficult but if you have a heavy hand and you you could get out of control with it yeah yeah way is the other way i
0: definitely when i'm kind of helping uh you know mentor kind of point somebody that's a newer hobbyist in the right direction when their tank is at a point where corals are starting to really grow and they start start needing to supplement their major elements. I, I tell them ESV is the best way to start, you know, yeah. and then down the road, maybe look at calcium reactors. Like you could look at calc too. I mean, some people have great systems um, just doing Calc Weiser too, but uh, we, we, we have to. Yeah. ESV. So um, that's actually a good kind of question is are all of your, what are your systems using for major elements and are they all, they're all running on the same systems, like the same
1: uh, so, I mean, we, we hand hand, hand uh, dose um, the bulk resupply calcium and alkalinity to all of the systems. Um, so, you just and,
0: add calcium chloride and sodium carb uh, or bicarb yes. every yes. every day? Yeah. Just yeah. in, like, you mix it up in a powder form or you have, like, a vat that's pre-mixed? No,
1: they, we mix it up and we have yeah. these jugs for each system that... Yeah, each each tank gets a certain amount every day. For the aquapor systems, we just have them dosing on on simple little buckets dosing calcium and and mm-hmm. alkalinity. And on one of the aquapor systems that I kind of have my hands on, things are just going so crazy, and they consume so much that we're using a calcium reactor. Um, two part dosing and a calc washer.
0: Uh, yeah, that's what I'm doing it, on mine. I got I got I, all the methods. Yeah, it and blows it, my mind. Yeah, because but, it's kind of it's the best of all the methods, but also even though it's it's complexity mixed with redundancy. Because <laughs> you know how it is, if one of those methods fails for some reason, there's a block in a dosing line, or you know, yeah, whatever could happen. Um, you know, especially in a heavily stocked system, you're not going to see like a huge swing, right? Yes. Yeah. So, do you run the but, calc twenty four seven on that system, or just at it's, night? It's
1: uh, it, it, it comes on at night for a little bit, and then it comes on in the morning,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and that's it. And then the other things are just working constantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. So and I'm like, the the on the other system that has just a simple dose uh, of that's it. We're not no calc washer, no calcium reactor.
0: Yeah. <laughs> they look good. It, yeah. And, and you're adding like the Tropic Marin trace to that system too?
1: Uh, Yes, we, we do add the trace to that.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I think the fact that you just top off your like LPS and soft systems just once a day, they just get it manually added. That's kind of that's funny it. to me. Um, because yeah. I guess like... Because the consumption is not as high, like you're probably not pouring. I mean, these are huge, multi, like hundred thousand gallons systems, yes. raceways. Um, but it's not like you're pouring like four liters of alk solution oh, no. in. You know, it's no. like it's it's negligible in the kind of you know.
1: I mean, we're talking yeah. like um, maybe twenty, thirty, forty, fifty grams. Yeah. Yeah. And sodium bicarbonate. Yeah. Maybe that roughly. You
0: know? Yeah, and you're using bicarbonate. You're not using soda yeah, ash or carbonate. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because that's one thing is uh, I think the reason a lot of um, alkalinity solutions are more bicarbonate is if you do do your dosing once a day, you don't get a huge um, pH spike. But if you're using soda ash or using sodium carbonate, you get a big, big pH spike. So I think sodium carbonate. Um, or a mixture of both makes more sense for people that are dosing you know 24 7 or throughout the day but if you're just adding it all at once it's probably going to make more sense to do what you're, yeah, what just you're doing for
1: us yeah. our pH, our ph is like
0: 8.4 8.5 yeah yeah
1: it's pretty high actually.
0: yeah and uh does the because i i think with like how many people actually work in the facility like it's large but are there a lot of people uh, breathing is what I'm getting at.
1: <laughs> uh, yes, but I mean, we have a big bay door that's open.
0: Yeah, and I see. we
1: have some exhaust fans that are running constantly. So we have like three fans up in the ceiling that are just pulling air out. Yeah. So it's sucking air in, pulling it out, sucking it in and pulling it out. Yeah. So that really helps, you know, yeah. but it's starting to get cold here. So it's not real cold yet, but, you know, that door will, will be closed. So, you know, it'll get a little more uh closed and co2 rich in there
0: yeah yeah I would imagine so yeah because yeah you're in LA so I mean you probably have to like the heat becomes an issue obviously oh, yeah. too so um, like is it is a facility like temperature controlled to a degree or is it a bunch of fans
1: <laughs> no we did the fan thing at our old facility and it worked
0: mm-hmm. but
1: those fans will just destroy your warehouse
0: because yeah the humidity it's just, and
1: it's just pushing all it's pushing salt everywhere and you know you may not see it but mm. it just it, it ruins everything
0: i feel like fan noise kind of adds anxiety too you know when sometimes when the fan turns off and you're like you just feel better all of a sudden you're like oh it was yeah. that stupid fan the bathroom fan i left on you're like or the kitchen range fan i turn it off i'm like
1: oh. <laughs> I mean, we, we, we worked around those fans all the time and then when we went into this system where we had someone. Uh, we knew this guy that proposed something that they did, and I think they actually did it. They did this for Andrew Sandler for Polo Reef. So I, I know mm-hmm. the uh, Jonathan uh, from Country Critters. He's the one that built that whole system, and he was a customer of ours. And he, and there was a guy out here by the name of Justin uh, Bermuda Aquatics, and he used to build these commercial skimmers and all these big things for like public aquariums, mm-hmm. and so. I knew him and they both came down one day and they're like hey why don't you uh set up this uh heat exchanger and i'm like well what heat exchanger oh we're setting it up for this big customer of ours and out there in new york and all right well let's do it so they ended up building that for us mm-hmm. basically yeah. it's, a, it's a big air conditioned unit and they heat you know they set up this coil and you have a, a water container that's almost like you know uh, that the water goes in and That sets the temperature. You set up these heat exchangers on each system. So they set that up at our old facility. And when we got rid of the fans, it was amazing. Mm -hmm. It was just, I mean, the humidity dropped. It became more more dry in there. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Okay, when we move, there's going to be no more fans. The only fans that we're going to have are the fans that are sucking out the air. So that's what we're doing now. So we have this big, huge air conditioner, and it's hooked up to these coils that to heat exchangers and it keeps everything chilled.
0: Yeah, that's cool.
1: Yeah, there was yeah. actually
0: a guy um, that used to be like a wholesaler in, in BC here. Um, and he had uh, set up kind of a coil that he buried under the ground that his, his pumps yeah. ran through in the winter. So it was below the frost line, I guess. Um, yeah. Effective in Canada for sure. Um, but he was able to, like, he managed to run all the systems like so incredibly cheap from all these little innovations he'd done. You know, that's something so.
1: like Garf did too. That's what they did that geothermal cooling. Garth yeah. did something.
0: Oh, like okay. Interesting. They, yeah.
1: They dug it down way that deep in the ground. They had this big tank and so they did something similar.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I mean Yeah, I've got mini splits on my in my garage and and it's nice. I I like it's like I can um, I heat it at night now and then I cool it in the day and my heaters don't come on in my tanks anymore. So even though I'm paying more a little more for the electricity to run this mini split, I don't uh, I don't don't have to. My heaters were probably the least efficient thing in the whole space, I would say.
1: And then you get to work in comfort with them, too. You're not you're not sweating and you're not all
0: just
1: dying there with all the humidity. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, great.
0: yeah, it's been great. I mean, my big uh, 450 square feet versus your 84 hundred square you know feet. <laughs> it's a little space.
1: Always, I always tell all of our customers, you know, they you know they feel a little, you know, you know, unworthy when they say, "Oh yeah, we're only a thousand square foot, or we're only twelve hundred square foot." And I always tell everyone. You don't need to be big to do big things, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, you can be a little a, a lean machine and just, you know, I know some small stores that are just cranking out corals compared to some of the even bigger stores.
0: Yeah, totally. So it's, uh, the yeah, you know, attention to detail, you can you can absolutely. really hone in on your system when it's, you know, something you can manage. And I, I thought about, you know, hiring somebody a few days a week or or something like that. But I, I kind of just want to keep it to what I know I can manage on my own. And like, I just like listening to podcasts and music and just kind of being in my little zone, you know, making yeah. frags and doing my thing. And, and, you know, it's, it's part, it's, it, it's worked for me. So.
1: that was <laughs> good though. Hey, yeah. I was, I was alone, alone in that kind of business to mindset where I felt in that same space. And once I got help, I was like, why didn't I do this before? This is really helpful because it allows me to do the more important things where it's not that these other things are not important, but these are something that I can train someone to do.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I actually, I did reach out to a local high school teacher who has a career development program. And uh, they they might have a student that might be interested in kind of interning. And then if they're good, I'll hire them as an employee. But, you know, it's not like I'm going to be giving them any... um, like you know <laughs> high level jobs right away, it'll be like cleaning uh, cleaning uh, impellers and and crap like that, but
1: <laughs> that, that's probably a job that you or I would have loved to have had I think know? so
0: i mean and i did heart. I did a career development program when I was in high school, and it yeah. was hard to find a job um but uh. Yeah, no, I, I think eventually, it'll probably make sense. And um, I don't know if I told you, but there's a local fish store that I like collaborate with. So I have a frag tank there. And then I have a display where I have kind of backups of some of my corals and stuff. So um, I kind of have the best of both worlds, because I kind of have my online business. And then I have a local store that I can kind of like, I put more of the corals there that like, I, I have more of that I'm, you know, because I got to, you know, make a have a cut with the the shop too right where there's certain things I just want to sell on my site so <laughs> yeah. yeah but
1: real estate's yeah. expensive you know so, yeah you know you already grow so many corals so you gotta pick and choose
0: yeah totally uh, I don't know how much time you have, but I got quite a few more questions for you. No, I'm, I'm, uh, <laughs> okay, I, I,
1: drank, I drank a cold brew on the way on the way home, and okay. I'm feeling good. <laughs>
0: yeah, you know, I'm learning that you're a big nap guy. So if you had your nap, then uh, I, honestly,
1: <laughs> not, that's, that's what I I took a nap, and my employees were like knocking on the door. And I'm like, no, just, we're all good.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Uh we didn't really talk about feeding yet, so um. I guess, like, do you feed corals directly? Do you feed coral foods, um, SPS versus LPS? Like, what's your kind of stance on on feeding? Um,
1: you know, we weren't aggressive feeders up until maybe, like, two years ago. Um, and that's where the challenges of these nitrates and phosphates came in. And the more I talked to certain people and seen what they were doing, I'm like, okay, well, you know, I'd rather be feeding food than adding nitrates and phosphates. Right. Yeah, totally. So I would rather feed food that will hopefully add these, but also feed all the things that I can't see in the tank. Right. Mm-hmm. Plus fish. Um, and so, you know, uh, we feed a, a lot of different kind of fish food. Um, uh, spiraling the flakes, uh, we use uh, uh, I always get mixed up with the name. Um, it's it's.
0: Are you talking Frozen or?
1: It, no, it it's American Reef. Russ Russ Keiko. Yeah,
0: it's, there's uh Shane at High SBB. performance
1: diet. High performance diet.
0: Okay. Uh, yeah, pre- yeah. HBD. That's what uh, yeah, Shane yeah. Shane was telling so, me about too. Yes.
1: Yes. Exactly. Okay. So that's where we feed the fish and, and then, you know, seaweed. Um, so they get a good, good mix of food and the corals. I mean, I've always used bacteria. Um, I've always used bacteria since day one.
0: Yeah. So Uh, you, um, you just, do you, do you add various bacterias with food or do you add it? So you put it with your food concoction.
1: So you had, you had someone on their show. Alan. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, I was kind of doing something like that already. Yeah. You know, but I just wasn't adding all the stuff that he did.
0: Yeah. And he's even said to me, like we've been chatting about it a fair bit since he's like, I'm probably using more things in it than I need. He's like, I'd like to just simplify it, but for now I'm just, you know, keep trying stuff. (laughs) Right.
1: I like to to diversify the bacteria. So I'll use the Prodibio. I use the Zeobit bacteria. Mm -hmm. I'll use some of the Microbacter seven. And we're going to start, Working with Claude from Fonda Marine mm-hmm. uh, on a lot of his products. Um, me and him kind of go way back. Nice. To, yeah. You know, and I remember him. He just has grown so much, and I said, "Okay, I don't know why it's taken me this long to to really start working with him, but we're going to start using a lot of their products." So we just got some tests in, so hopefully, cool. maybe you know, down the line, I'll have you know some feedback. But he knows. I like how he can have, he has the data on how these trace elements interact together. Mm -hmm. You know, he has all these foods and so it kind of put the pieces of the puzzle together when you had Alan on and he was using some of these things. I was like, okay, I was in the right direction.
0: Yeah. Yeah. uh, yeah, Kind of getting to the same kind of end point in a way because yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the idea is that by adding bacteria and food together and kind of marinating them together, uh, it's kind of making it more bioavailability, bioavailable for the corals.
1: Yeah. yeah. We didn't marinate it. That's the thing. So yeah. we would just together. it together. Yeah. And maybe I would accidentally marinate it. I would forget to dose it. it Mix would just
0: it up sick, and just like, let it sit. Yeah,
1: will call or something. So it would, it would just stay there and I would end up dosing it. Um, maybe it's something he does. I do a little bit different is he uses a uh, zeozyme, which I use, but I also use coral snow. Mm-hmm. And I know that there's... You know the big thing now is everyone's using you know this calcium carbonate that they buy on Amazon, which is fine. But I just rather use the real stuff, Mm -hmm. and I don't mind paying a little bit for it. Yeah, a little bit more. I mean, well, maybe not a little bit more, but paying more for it. But because I know that you don't
0: use that much of it at a time, really, even in a big system. it's
1: Very concentrated compared to the other stuff. Because I I tried the other one. I'm like, it's not. I don't think it's as rich and, and dense as the original coral snow from ZoBN. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And and that's,
0: I, you know, it the, I'm sure the marinating it together um kind of helps, but it's it's also just that addition of bacteria. Like I think I've kind of shifted maybe a little bit after some of these conversations on my stance on adding bacteria to the tank um because like I think I have had some bacterial issues with some of my corals in the last few years and There's so much kind of talk about adding antibiotics now and treating the system with this. And a lot of people are kind of throwing that around. Um, And that does, some people have some success with that, but I think there's not enough discussion going on about the microbiome of the coral and the, you know, bacterial health of the system. And if you're going to be adding healthy, you know, try a few different bottles of different bacteria from different companies, because um, I don't think there's going to be anything bad going into the tank from that bottle It's either going to do something good or nothing, (laughs) you know, so.
1: We have people who are testing these products already, right? So why did I use Microbacter 7? Well, I mean, you know, I know Vic and them at Worldwide Corals and they're customers of ours. They use it.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And their corals look amazing, right? Um, Prodibio, that's been around for a long time.
3: Yeah, it has, yeah, yeah.
1: Been around for a long time, and I know some people that use it. And then you go to Z, the ZeoBit, which has been around for a long time, I, and I know people that use it.
0: Yeah, and so that's I, one I started using is the Ziobit. There's three bacteria yeah.
1: right there. Yeah, now, there's many more on the market, and that's fine. And and I'm sure that they probably work, mm-hmm. but it, these are the three staple bacteria that we use. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, I don't use the Aquaforest products, but I can't argue with the results that Alan had. On,
0: yeah. On yeah. That. And Ray Pirates Reef is using the, that ProBio S as yeah, well. This call
1: is amazing too. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, it's so, and there's just so many ways. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, if you want to, if you have that luxury to, to experiment where, you know, you're okay with it and you have the experience and you're, you know, to do it. hmm. You're only going to find out if you use
0: it. Yeah. And I think the experimenting is best to be done when things are doing well, (laughs) you know, and, and then, and when they've been consistent and stable for a while and to make one change and to give it time to see what happens, because like, you're not going to learn that much from, I mean, I don't know if a system's suffering and you make some changes, like usually people are trying a few things at a time when things aren't doing well. So we don't really learn a lot from those situations you know but but i mean that's the kind of information like i want to get out of people talking on this podcast is like what is like one thing that you know you did that you know there's always going to be a little bit of you know maybe it was this maybe it was that but you know you could kind of go like i'm very certain that this change i made improved this thing
1: well definitely like i it's definitely the trace elements and feeding so yeah. elevating phosphates and nitrates Made a big difference. You mm-hmm. know, um, when Josh came with Worldwide Corals to our facility and one of our systems um, had dynos in it, he was like, You're bottomed out. I'm like, What do you mean? I was like under a rock or something. I didn't even know what he was talking about. Yeah. Like, You're bottomed out. Your, your phosphates and nitrates are zero. I'm like, Really? He's like, Yes, I guarantee He's it.
0: Like I can tell from, from the <laughs> dynos. I guarantee yeah. it.
1: And, and you know, we go and test it, and sure enough, I'm like, Okay. I, I need to re-educate myself on all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So I did. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, I started feeding more and things changed.
0: Yeah. 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 That's cool. Yeah. That, and I like that. I mean, that's, that's simple. That's not uh yeah. I, and also I, I don't think trace elements is as far as testing ICPs regularly. I don't think it's for everyone, but I think it's, you know, if you're kind of like guys like us that are like looking for that next kind of level of color, yeah. Or, or those nuances that you just you want to just strive towards, then, you know, you can start sending off ICPs and, and getting a little more into that stuff. Uh, and you don't have to go balls to the walls like um, moonshiners or something either. You know, you can oh, just oh, get yeah. an ICP every two months and make some adjustments and then figure out which ones get depleted faster and maybe add those every, you know a little more often or whatever.
1: You know, something always comes out of something. So with all these methods, you're, you're going to have someone who experiments, right? And said, and maybe they figure out a much more simpler way of doing this. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes it can make it more complicated. And But through all these trials and errors, people will come out with a solution or they'll come out with a way of doing it easier. And yeah. the good thing about this, the more people that are doing it, the more data we have, the more... Feedback we have, and the more that we can can learn from yeah. each other.
0: Yeah, we are kind of a hive mind in this hobby, aren't we? You know, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and the and the cream rises to the top as far as the the best information, I think, too. So, right. I'm hoping this podcast kind of supports some of those ideas.
1: <laughs> all, your, all your podcasts and all these podcasts that are becoming popular now, I, I, I found myself, you know, being more engaged in, in, into them mm-hmm. more than before. Yeah. And so it's been great for this industry.
0: Yeah, that's cool too. And I mean, I think, um, you know, guys like us that have been, especially like I've been newer is doing it as, as a business. I'm only probably, you know, five or six years in, but um, it kind of keeps us a little more excited because there is that new frontier to kind of look into and to learn from and, and the community and just like, yeah, like, I mean, I feel like I was in a little bit of a rut before I started doing the podcast and I've been a little more inspired um, since, because, yeah. you know,
1: yeah. you. I mean, you go to trade shows and you come back inspired. Yeah, it's amazing. It's this new generation, and you know, you know, you bring in, you know, these the old school guys, and you know, you can get easily stuck in your own little world. And on the business side, you know, that's where I was at in this business. It's not that I wasn't engaged, but I mean, you know, you're so consumed by the day to day operations of just you know trying to run that business
2: mm-hmm.
1: you, you, know, you, you kind of lose that element yeah you know yeah but when you start engaging with people you know and you start going to these trade shows and you start seeing this whole new generation that does things way different
2: mm-hmm.
3: And,
1: mm-hmm. And, and you're looking at the amazing results that all these people are having and then i see more females yeah. in this yeah in, in this uh in this industry now yeah, I mean, not just hobbyists, and and they're successful hobbyists. But you're seeing a lot of females on on, on the face of some companies and yeah. you know podcasts, and, and and they're carrying very prominent roles in these companies. And you're seeing young people. It's it's very very eye opening and and very you know exciting. So yeah, how could you not how could you not get enthusiastic after that?
0: Yeah, you know what I mean. Totally. Yeah. And I mean, with the right direction, like someone that doesn't say have a ton of budget or whatever, like they can, they can have a pretty nice tank for like, you know, 500 bucks or something. And yeah, like if there's a young person in my city that wanted to get into it, and they're, they're just on a, you know, student, whatever amount of money they have from their, you know, um, allowance or whatever, like I'll throw them a few corals to get started. You know, absolutely.
1: There's way more opportunity now for anyone to get into this industry, to this hobby, than there was 20 years ago. Yeah. I mean, is, is it expensive? Yes. Certain corals are expensive. Yeah. Certain certain equipment is expensive, but there are ways. Yeah. That you can you can you can probably build a reef tank for less than 500 bucks yeah. with corals. Honestly, I mean, yeah. you, Your first tank shouldn't be. An all-star tank it should be something that you've scratched and earned and 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 maybe even built yeah the,
0: i mean it's that,
1: a reflection of you
0: that's you know, it's a how i you, you <laughs> know the my biggest learning period was i got in the hobby when i was 18 or 19 this is around 2000 2001 and uh i didn't have much money back then and you know i kind of had this secondhand 33 gallon tank and and uh like I just obsessively learned about doing everything the best way I possibly could because I didn't want to kill anything. It wasn't just like, Oh, if I, you know, kill that, I'll just buy another one. It was like, it was like, you know, there's a lot depending on it. And, you know, as a result, I I did have some pretty good success early on and I really caught the bug when I got into SPS. So (laughs) here I am now.
1: (laughs) And now you're qualified to pay it forward and mentor somebody.
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And, That's...
1: You'll, and you'll breed that in someone else, and hopefully they'll breed it, and that'll sustain this this industry.
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah, and I guess for like, what does your team kind of look like? Like, do you have people that do more of the you know admin side, or just a lot of people working in the kind of farm? It's path? pretty much.
1: It's pretty much um, admin and and just hands on people working in the warehouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I am primarily the guy that works with corals um i don't frag any corals but i have people that frag them yeah um,
0: i'd be too picky about
1: that yeah no i <laughs> they know what they're doing they know what yeah
0: doing. They, yeah you got people you trust for sure
1: yeah. yeah they know what they're doing um our photographer is actually he's a hobbyist and he's pretty uh pretty well uh trained and and he knows what he's doing so yeah he's been helping me uh more on the LPS side and the zoanthids, but when it comes to the SPS, I mean, it has my my stamp all over it. Yeah, I mean that, that that that's where my passion came from. That's where my passion came from. I love all of the corals. I love zoanthids, yeah. all that. But sticks. That's yeah. me.
0: Yeah, and that's I me. I think what it is about you know if somebody asks me you know what is it about these hard corals because you know the non-reefer will kind of come in and they'll pay more attention to the wavy things in the tank and the torch corals and the things like that. But I think for, you know, once you kind of get into SPS, it's like, it's that variability in that, like this coral can look kind of pretty different from one tank to another. And I don't know, maybe it's a like a competitive aspect or something, but like, I want to have the best color on this one. And, you know, it's like, we're constantly comparing ourselves, but in a way that drives us to be better.
1: I think so. I think there is a competitive, I mean, there's that. And plus it's the challenge. Mm-hmm,
0: it's the um, challenge. Yeah. I would say more than the competitive. I'm kind of, yeah, you know, but I yeah. Mean,
1: you know, it's crazy how I even got into them. Cause when you, you said something about the wavy, the wavy corals, yeah. it, it triggered how I got into SPS. And so this roommate that I had, right. Well, we went our separate ways and then I got my little tank. Well, we reconnected. And when he came over to the house, he seen I had a tank, and he's like, "Wow, you're still doing this?" <laughs> I said, "Yeah." And he's like, "He's like, and I had I had mushrooms in there, and I had uh, zinnia, and I had like soft corals and zoanthids, and I thought I was in heaven. I thought I had this amazing tank." He's like, "Oh, you really need to get into a, a copra." I'm like, "What?" He said, "You need to get into a copra <laughs> and, and montipras." And I was like, what's that? And he showed me, and I was like, nah, forget that. Those those don't do nothing. They're just hard, and they just stand there. What's, I like the stuff that moves.
2: Mm-hmm. He goes,
1: no. Nah. And he goes, I used to have a tank, and I, I knew this guy. And he was trying to remember the name. He goes, Tyree, Steve Tyree. <laughs> he goes, yes, that's his name. Him and this guy, Chun, they had the best stuff, and this and this and that. And I was like, nah, I'm happy with what, what I like. And then... He came over again, and he said it again. I said, "Okay, I'm gonna search these guys up." And I couldn't find Steve. Kept searching, and I finally found him. Mm-hmm. And so he lived about maybe 30 miles from me. I yeah. said, "Okay, when I when I set up when I set up my tank, I'm gonna reach out to this guy."
0: Mm-hmm. And this is and like so, early 2000s kind of thing. Yeah, or? yeah this is
1: uh, this is 2000. This is 2000.
0: Yeah. This is okay. 2000. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yes. This is 2000. And so he had had a waiting list for all this corals, right? And I'm like, okay. Send him a message. He's like, come on over. So I go over there and he's like, yeah, this thing right here, it's called Purple Monster. And I have a waiting list, but I could put you on the list and maybe get you a frag next month. (laughs) I was like, sure. I don't want to waste his time. I don't want to waste his time. So I was like, I better make a good purchase. Wait, so this was
0: going to be your first acro was going to be a Purple Monster?
1: my (laughs) My first acro. Yeah, Okay sure let's do it and he's like, how about this one sure i'll take that one too so i ended up probably buying like six seven hundred dollars worth of acapora frags
0: it's quite a bit for back and, then yes yeah.
1: and so you know but it was like maybe 10 mm-hmm. frags yeah and, and he called me like two months later hey your stuff's ready come on and come on down and pick it up i came down picked it up and the, the rest is history mm-hmm. that's how i got into sticks and yeah. then he, Then I opened up my shop, which was like about three miles from him. And then me and him used to do a lot of trading and selling together. Yeah. So
0: cool. Yeah. So you guys have seen a lot um, together over the years and probably talked about a lot of stuff. Yeah. That's cool. That's a good person to have around you. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Actually, uh, just a couple little, I usually do rapid fire questions, but I actually am kind of running Mm -hmm. short on time. So um, I just, I forgot to ask you what salt you use.
1: So, in the majority of our systems, we're using natural, wa- natural sea water.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. So, that was something I saw, I think, in the frag box video. Yes. So,
1: yes. We use natural seawater. We run it through a UV and then we'll kind of enhance it with either some calcium and alkalinity or salt.
0: Yeah. So, Whatever. the calcium and alkalinity might be a little lower than yeah. um, like the reefs that we bring yeah. our corals from. Yeah.
1: Um, and then, so that's pretty much it. And then our system, we were using reef crystals. Um, I went through this about four months ago, like all my corals just were were turning black. And I'm like, what the heck is going on here? I had no clue what was going on. Mm -hmm. All the acros were dying. And so I was just process of elimination. Let's get rid of this salt. Let's get rid of that. Let's get rid of this and couldn't figure it out. And then, you know, don't want to name names, but it, there was an amino acid that was feeding the bad bacteria.
2: Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. And so I reached out to Andre at Reef Moonshine. And he said, "Yeah, take that out and run some carbon, put some cipro, and you know, report back." And sure enough, that fixed everything. So, yeah. so I don't think it was it wasn't the salt. So we switched over to the Red Sea. Yeah. Uh, well, but mm-hmm. we don't do a lot of water changes. It was just mainly just to kind of have. As, yeah, you
0: know, yeah, and I mean, I I would think that you're using the natural seawater, even though you're zapping it with the UV with a pretty big UV. Oh yeah, um, you're probably still getting some good ocean bacteria. I would think. Well, um, that's what we
1: use all our systems, and they, yeah. they work. It works fine.
0: Yeah, is it collected? Um, like, do you have to go collect it like a little bit further out? Like, you can't just go right by the shoreline. No. I guess it probably I'm, depends.
1: I'm assuming they collect it deeper out.
0: Yeah, yeah. Actually, it was a funny little um, story I remember hearing. I think this was on Reef Bum. It was a- Anya from uh, – she's an Australian. Um, you know her, her at all? Uh, I think she, it's a – maybe a sustainable marine. I, I hope I'm saying the right company. Anyway, she was saying that, I guess, near their facility – there was like a, a gas station that had sold down and they thought about buying the gas station and then basically setting it up so people could come and fill their salt water <laughs> kind of like a gas station. <laughs> Cause all Australian reefers mostly use, um, natural seawater. Yeah. 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 That'd be nice. Mm-hmm, totally. Yeah. Uh, okay. That's cool. Yeah. That's, that's an interesting, I mean, not an option for all of us, but, um, I mean, yeah, the ocean water, even here, I mean, we're on both Pacific coast, but I'm, uh, much much cooler up here. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, much um but I'll I'll ask you the final question of the rapid fire questions, the sure. thought experiment. Uh so if you had the situation and let's say financial means, uh, would you set up a tank like Andrew Sandler's polar reef?
1: Um I would set up something where it's outside. Mm-hmm. View it inside as well, but I want to go swimming in this thing. Yeah, so it, it, yeah. It, it, needs, it needs to be like maybe five times the size of what Andrew's doing.
0: Yeah, yeah. So
1: that I can go swim in there and I can dive and look at my corals like instead of having to go out to a
0: reef. Yeah, more of an interactive experience. Yes. Yeah, I like that idea. That's actually a little bit of a combination of what a few people have said. Like, I think some people have said natural light. You can do natural light in the day, and then you kind of have an option to put some blue lights and stuff on at night, yes. ha- host some parties. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, and there is, there's something about um, interacting directly with the tank that I think is like... Um, uh, part of the psychological component to why we're attracted to this hobby in the first place, you yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. It's that hands onedness whether it be our hands being in the tanks too much <laughs> sometimes. Yes. Be good that. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Awesome, man. Well, um, let's do this again sometime for sure. This has been uh, a great conversation. Yeah.
1: Be, yeah. I'm sure there's questions that maybe you missed and I'm some sure. <laughs> I wanted to touch on, you know, yeah. to kind of, Add some value, but uh, we'll definitely stay in touch and, yeah. you know, we can update everything.
0: Sounds good. I'm going to ask you about suppliers when we uh, get off the call. I'm All right. To you. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks so much, man. I'll touch base with you soon. You got it. Okay. Cheers. Later. Thanks for joining me with Eric Camano of Route 66 Marine. If you want to check out his website, go to route66marine.com. And also be sure to check out his Instagram route 66 marine there are tons of wicked pictures of the kind of stuff that he grows and imports there and if you have any suggestions for future guests uh, want to just ask us a question make a suggestion make a criticism whatever you want to say uh, feel free to reach out at beyond the at gmail.com remember to like share subscribe and leave us a review And if you're looking for high-quality aquacultured corals in Canada, please check us out at fraggarage.ca. Hope to hear from you soon.